Consequence Podcast Network. My friendship to all of you precludes my involvement with any one of you. But if you want to make love, then I do too. And I'll be right there behind you. Greetings, constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from the Consequence Podcast Network. We are back this week as we return to one of our favorite towns. I don't know why it's one of our favorite towns, because a lot of horrible things happen there, but that town is Castle Rock, and we will be discussing episode seven of Castle Rock, and you can find that episode on Hulu. As a matter of fact, if you haven't watched the episode yet, <laughs> Why go you? ahead and do that, because this is going to be laden with spoilers as we go through it. I am one of your co-hosts, Justin Gerber, senior writer at Consequence of Sound, and to my right is... Mackenzie Gerber, and I'm just a senior, uh, <laughs> and a constant contributor to this podcast, as well as Halloweenies and the Losers Club a Stephen King podcast. Well, we were listening to the Losers Club, so I would hope that people would know that you're a host of it. Yeah, Ruth Deaver over here. This is a little, little, little offshoot here. Uh, this is for the um, Castle Rock natives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, <laughs> look over there. There's your chess piece, Mac. Well, who are you? Who are you? Who's talking? <laughs> oh, it's a bishop. Uh, this is Mike Ruth Rothman. Mm, Ruthman. <laughs> Ruthman, yeah. President, editor-in-chief of Consequence of Sound, and a constant contributor to the Losers Club podcast and Halloweenies, a Michael Myers podcast where we're slicing and dicing through one Halloween film leading up to the October 19th release of Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, Halloween. Halloween. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to confuse people who haven't listened yet, but yep, Halloween. <laughs> that is, is true. If they could show up to the box office and they go, two tickets for Halloween, please, and they'll be like... Here's a fun story. When I went to go see Triple X in theaters, mm-hmm. I went up to the, uh, the box office and I said... I'll have one for three X's. <laughs> just a, great oh, they all, everybody got a great kick out of it, great so bet. I thought I did a good job. Did, did the person at the ticket counter? She, she laughed. Did she, she turn laughed. over to her friend and say, you got to hear this joke? No, she probably, she, probably told her, she probably laughed and turned around and went, we got another fucking comedian. <laughs> <laughs> it was unprompted, and I nailed uh, it. Yeah. Well, it's better than like going up there and be like, I'll have one ticket for the porn film starring Vin Diesel. Um, oh, that was the return of Xander Cage, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. Anyway, before we get into too much Vin Diesel talk with films like The Pacifier and, you know, Pitch Black, Chronicles of Riddick, uh, all the Fast and Furious films, except, of course, for Too Fast, Too Furious. Find me guilty. Let's get into some Stephen King news that we've, uh, we've heard over the last week. Mike, take it away. We got some good news. We got some good news out of Castle You want to start with the good news or the bad news? We'll start with the good news. All right, here we go. All right. The good news, hot off the presses, we got running down the small streets of Castle Rock with big headline that says, Renewed, Season 2. Who, who do you think is running down the, Was it Cujo? It was probably Cujo. Running with the, with the banner, know. with the banner like teaming out of his mouth. It's says, like probably a newspaper, a newspaper rolling out something. You know, I mouth. think it was probably Harry S. Truman, because I think initially yeah. it said uh, the show was canceled, but they were wrong. So he was running down the... Yeah. That's, maybe a, it's, that's maybe, a history reference. That is oh, a history boy. reference. That's a good one, too. Maybe it's uh, the corpse of Harry S. Truman, mm. brought back from Ludlow, Maine. And if you know Ludlow, Maine, you know Pet Cemetery, mm. a film that will be coming out next year, directed by Dennis Widemeyer and Kevin Kolsch. Yep, I'm looking yep. forward to that. They just wrapped uh, production, at least on the uh, John Lithgow performance. Hey, so. and that's the next story that we're going to be talking about. Wow. Pet Cemetery 
coming out next year, and uh, we've seen our first glimpse of Judd Crandall. Still haven't seen the rest of the cast, and Grace, you know, granted, our first glimpse is just him on a motorcycle with. The... Yeah, it also he also looks a lot like John Lithgow. <laughs> <laughs> wow, he it's crazy that he still looks like this actor. A, a big difference, of course. Uh, it looks like he's got a beard. Yeah, in this version, full beard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you wish that like they could have gotten like John Lithgow from when he was in like Orange County? I wish they got gotten John Lithgow from like Harry and the Hendersons. Oh, that would have been fun. He probably just would have played uh, the protagonist instead. But Louis Creed, Louis Creed. It's like I'm not burying my son. Get out of here. We don't want you anymore. <laughs> what if they? What if he played his character from um, Apes One? Apes where, One. Yeah, or Apes Zero, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, the, the, one that, one. the one with Franco. Yeah, eleven twenty two sixty three is James Franco. Well, I'll tell you right now that character has a lot in common with Ruth Deaver from Castle Rock. So, yeah, uh, what were we even talking about? <laughs> they, well, so anyway, they're done, they're just about they're done. done. <laughs> it looks like with Pet Cemetery, so that's just about in the can and ready for uh, ready to be uh, be- unburied, unburied next year. Yeah, ready <laughs> to, get, to life to leave the the, the grave because it's been there for a while since nineteen eighty nine. Something we actually kind of brushed over there was. That Castle Rock was renewed for yeah. season two. We did, we, and um, we had some great jokes in there, obviously, as always. But uh, I'm very excited about this. Me too. And they are sticking. They're not doing the Stranger Things thing. They are sticking to the anthology format. We are going to get. It sounds like a, a brand new story with a majority of, if not all, brand new characters, which and is a cool. brand new time setting, which is very smart. Very smart. Very cool. Where I say that, provided we have not seen the last three episodes, so yeah. hopefully there's a good resolution to everything going on. I think, I think I think there will be. It sounds like it's yeah. leading to somewhere. So, well, pop the champagne, folks. But we actually spoke with co-showrunner mm. Dustin Thomason. He talks <laughs> about the conception for this series and how they he looked at it as a book, almost just like a Stephen King book, and also gives a little hints as to where they might go with a future installments. Oh, we haven't had this discussion ourselves, so I'm looking forward. Well, to you know what's it. great about the idea of this being an anthology series is I always I feel like Stephen King is at his best uh, in short story format, mm-hmm. and so doing this uh, one season at a time, different stories, I'm all about it. It's like that uh, replacement song, one season at a time. Well, that's first of all, that's a deep reference to a, a, a latter day. <laughs> The last replacements album, which yes. is basically a Paul Westerberg solo album. I uh, love Paul Great Westerberg. Song, Great song. Well, who would Paul Westerberg play in uh, Castle Rock? Uh, Lewis Creed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm back if Rock. you need me. Uh, is it I'm like Lewis, Lewis Creed moves to Castle Rock after his whole family dies? It's just the, it's the plot of Juliet Naked. <laughs> oh, Nick Ormy book. Anyway. Oh, some, some other little brief news that also came in yeah. um, across the Twitter sphere uh, a couple days ago. The great Shane Black. Uh, the writer of, you know... The Predator. Uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Uh, co-writer of The Monster Squad. Iron Man 3. Last Boy Scout. Iron Man 3. Kiss Kiss. Bang Bang. bang. Iron Man 3. The Nice Guys. He's doing The Predator now. He wrote this on Twitter. Castle Rock, friends. Horror storytelling at its finest. I'm hooked. So we have, we have Shane Black. is a big fan of Hulu. Oh, we should get Shane Black on. And Castle Rock. Hey, we might actually get Shane Black on. I want to talk to him about Predator and ask him about Tom Jane, our boy from oh, uh, yeah, Stephen Kingland. Yeah. It's hey, that's not that's not the only thing of uh, Twitter. That's not the only thing from uh, Castle Rock on Twitter. Mm. Seems our uh, our side king has his own little theory mm. out there. His own two his his own room two thirty seven. Okay. On August fifteenth, he tweeted Molly and Castle Rock and Molly, aka the Thing of Evil. Coincidence? I think not. That's a little joke. Is it? Sure. I'm sure. Did Dusty, did Dusty Thomason say that? Oh, yeah, I uh, based Molly Strand 
played by the great Melanie Linsky on a dog, on a, on a corgi. I mean, the name could definitely be a nod to Molly. But yeah, yeah I, sure. I don't think there's any, obviously, there's no real, like, uh, deeper meaning there. I'm going to jump to room 237 real quick. Oh, mm. God. All right. All right. I'm going to assume that not only are we going to get crossovers to Kingworks, we're going to get some crossovers to R.L. Stein, as Ooh. in Goosebumps. And at the end, Molly, who's been trying to get all the pills throughout this entire season, at the very end, uh, you know, she can't get the, the pills from Ace Merrill's kid. Okay. Uh, and, yeah. and all of a sudden, she starts getting really hairy. And she's like, mm. I need my pills. I need my pills. You need to get the pills. And she turns into a corgi because she doesn't have her medication, just like oh. at the end of uh, My Hairiest uh, Adventure from the Goosebumps. I place. thought you were going to say there was going to be a little cameo by Tom Cruise at the end, and he was going to go, <laughs> welcome to Dead House. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. He shows up in a convertible. That'd be awesome. Listening to like a uh, Kokomo or something. Tom Cruise, for all you people out there who love our tangents, keep listening. Uh, Tom Cruise, he, I'm not kidding. He, why does he need to do like a Goosebumps movie? That would be that would be huge. Like if he does like a children's adventure movie, he hasn't done that. Have you know, he ever done I, that? I gotta think. Has he done a children's adventure movie yet? If, I'm telling you, like, like do like so. a Jumanji style or like a Goosebumps type movie. Tom Cruise, let's go. He could have done with Jonathan Lipnicki uh, after uh, Jerry Maguire. That would have been good. Well, I think he was originally supposed to be in the Night at the Museum movies. Oh my god! But uh, Ben Stiller actually went out there, and then I, I think he, he hung it up and he stuck to action. I'd oh. like I'd like to know what stunts that Tom Cruise would bring to the table for these uh, kids movies. You know, I just, uh, you know, I got to say, uh, I want to turn into a it's dog. Like, well, I, you know, I really, I really wanted to feel like I was being chased by a T-Rex. So <laughs> we, we actually recreated, we, we cloned a T-Rex. We cloned a T-Rex. And uh, for hours I'd run really, really fast in front of this uh, live T-Rex. Hey, Stranger Things have happened. Great uh, Foo Fighters uh, song. You're right. Stranger mm-hmm. Things uh, has happened and it's had its time and we're not going to talk about that show anymore. Hey, season <laughs> three podcast. coming out next year. Season three Scoops with a uh, Fletch influence, apparently. Wait, is that true? That's what David Harbour said. <laughs> I love it. I, I love it, but uh, it's supposed to be such a dark season. So I know you're going to have like, somebody walking around with fake teeth pretending to be an insurance investor. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe they just mean Chevy Chase is going to be on the show. This what if they just really doubled down and they had David Harbour like, going into some type of investigation yes. and, and like dressing up? And like doing just, but just doing the characters of Fletch did. Oh in the my movie. god! Like the airplane investigator, yeah. the dentist, and everything. He's else. wearing like the Lakers gear and everything. He has a, he has a dream sequence where he's got a big afro. I, that, that would really go over well today too. Um, I I'm and they like fire uh, survive or Kyle Dixon and Michael uh, Stein and like they they get like Harold Faltermeyer to do well, the score again. <laughs> All right. Fletch. Fletch. Fletch won. Come soon. God, Fletch lives. One of the worst sequels I've ever seen. I watched in my the life. first 30 minutes, and if somebody doesn't get offended very often, I was grossly offended in the first 30 minutes. And I actually was like, I can't watch any more of this. I can't do it. It's it's a tough one. First one's great. One of uh, Chevy Chase's one. best. Love it. Love so, Chase. Uh, I heard uh, some other news about um, <laughs> some alien friends of ours. Yes. For all you Tommy knockers heads out there, mm-hmm. Tommy heads, all you, Tom, uh, Tom, all you Tommy boys, Tommy boys. Oh, I like that. <laughs> hey, maybe that's why we were making all those references. Well, Tommy boys and gals, but yeah, you think? <laughs> yeah, that's why. That, it was a long con. Well, as we know, our boy is directing uh, Tommy knockers or working with Tommy knockers. James Wan. Yeah, it's it's undecided. I, he's of course he's got the huge hit Aquaman coming out this fall but Can't um, wait. I, I think he's he's definitely producing it yeah, I'm not sure if he's going to be like directing it I'd be surprised if he's directing I think he's definitely producing 
I would be very surprised if it, if it turns out he's actually directing this thing. This is very confusing mm-hmm. because we we did an episode a few months ago. I think it was just a news episode you Randall and I did, and somebody else was supposed to be writing and directing this. Do you remember this? It was some other guy. So I don't know if what happened. Yeah, there. I don't so know. what's the story, Mike? Well, it's really good because they're going all out and getting the top tier writers, and uh, they uh, they picked the writer of the Exorcist TV series. And he's also written The Lazarus Project, which is not a good movie. Uh, he also wrote Death Note, which I haven't seen. I did not like that. But more That's importantly, really bad. more importantly, he's also the writer for 2015's Fantastic Four, which is... Which killed many a career, <laughs> but apparently not this man. What's his name? Michael... Myers. Or, no, 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 no. It's not Michael Myers. It's Jeremy Slater. Not related to Christian Slater. I have no joke for that name. I don't either. Uh, well, that's obviously awful news. I mean, but again, I don't, you could have said that, you know, Robert Town was going to be writing the Tommy Knockers adaptation, and I would still have no faith in it. Uh, I think Stephen King <laughs> would probably say the same thing. Like, what, what are you going to do? You can't dress up a piece of shit. So I don't know. I mean, if I'm, you know, I apologize for all you big Tommy Knocker fans out there, but that book is about, what, 300 pages too long? 300 pages too long? It's a tough finale. It's, a, it's just... And it's, it's one of those things, once again, where I cannot remember exactly what it is I don't like about it, because I've read it twice over the last you know 20-something years. I cannot remember what it is at the end, near the end, but something happens, and it just keeps happening. There's some style that King adapts, and it's just awful. And it's, like, it's, the, it's the coke talking, basically, at that point. So it's basically oh, like geez. the movie Explorers, uh, starring mm. River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke, and that's great until strong, you get to the end. Strong, strong opening. Uh, uh, definitely reminds me of my childhood. You know, we and then becomes the ET in our backyard. All oh, right. I love that. I used to go to space all the time. And it becomes the ET ride at Universal, pretty much. Right? It like, does. You see, like like these aliens and these weird settings. And, and it kind of looks like the, the aliens kind of look like uh, our favorite gremlin. Oh, Daffy, Daffy gremlin, Daffy gremlin. Wow. All right. Well, one of the last pieces of news that we have this week uh, involves one of our favorite books. The Stand, mm, and mm-hmm. as we you know, as we've discussed in previous episodes, CBS All Access, our number one choice for where this uh, adaptation is going, mm-hmm. is uh, going to put it out next year, according uh, to Den of Geek. They're trying to get it going uh, for 2019, which means uh, this epic book, an epic story, an epic adaptation that has been in development hell for oh god, what twenty something years, something yeah, forever since the miniseries. It's going to come out in less than a year. They're going to turn this thing out. Yeah. Which, you know, we're going to get Scott Kahn as Stu Redman. We're going to get LL Cool J as Starkey. We're going to get... Scott Kahn. Scott Kahn. Oh, yeah. You know what's going to happen. Are we going to get Tom Noonan as the trash can man? Now now you're being too optimistic. You're being being way too optimistic. (laughs) That would be amazing. Uh, We're going to get Mark Harmon as uh, Randall Flagg. Chris O'Donnell will be in there somewhere. Yeah. As Larry Underwood or something. Oh, God. You know what? Mark Harmon would be all right. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't actually that. be Maybe, that bad. He's a little yeah. old now, but... <laughs> it was funny. I don't think I've ever seen Mark Harmon act in anything in my entire life. You've never seen Summer School? Never saw Summer School. Really? Never saw the, the Presidio. Presidio. Never saw any of his TV shows. Never saw NCIS. I don't even know what it stands for. Did you see season... North, North did Committee, You, watch, you didn't watch season three of uh, uh, West Wing, did you? No. He's, he's really on that? Wow, you really it. have When I was a kid, it. I got him confused with Kevin Costner a lot. I did too because he, he actually did a lot does of similar films. Lot, I used like... to get like the Presidio and Revenge oh, yeah. and uh, oh god, what's that other one? That that other uh, Kevin Costner movie, not Revenge, but Open Range. Oh, Bull Durham. No way out. No way out. No I way used out. Because yeah, they're all yeah. like these like political thrillers of sorts. You know, he's in. He's a uh, Sheriff John Behan in uh, Wyatt Earp. 
Never saw it. That's a Walter Hill movie. Okay. Anyway, anyway. So, CBS All Access, which, to be fair, is not like CBS. No, it's okay? not. Okay. They've but... got, apparently, the Star Trek series is is, is doing its own thing. They're going to have that new Jean-Luc Picard series on there, too. They've got that Good Wife spinoff that's supposed to be really good. The Good Fight? The Good Fight, yeah. That's supposed to be really good. Yeah. Um, and I think that those are the only ones. So, I mean, they're, they're trying to do, like, these pre- prestige flagship type shows, so... I'm just trying to be optimistic because guess what? It's coming no matter what. And so once it's here, we're not going to have a movie for another 30 years. So. I think yeah. right now, I think I think being optimistic is the best thing to do because we're going to start getting real news about this show. And then I guarantee we we turn on it wholeheartedly. So yeah. like, let's be as optimistic and as again, possible you know, now when we can. The writer's room is really good. I, 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 obviously, um, Owen King is involved. Josh yeah, Boone, right, who's right. an elevating you know, director is actually show running the show. So that says something too. I don't know. I'm, I'm optimistic on that front. It's all going to depend on what this cast is going to be and how far they're able to push it. Because the CBS All Access, you can do violence, you can do language. So that's something else. Yeah. It's like it's like you're watching a show on Showtime or HBO. So I'll also keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, while you guys are all optimistic, I'm still sitting here with my uh, tree fingers. So I'm uh, going to have to move on. I don't think I have any more news. I'm oh, all good. out. I think that's well, it. We're at, I'm at the typewriter, and uh, I'm done. My shift's over. Well, I think it's time to uh, hear some greetings from Castle Rock. Back door open. Mrs. Deaver, I think that something terrible is going to happen. Oh, it's happening. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised. Are you there? <sighs> it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Oh, uh, smell that smoky air. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm wearing a mask. People think I have SARS or something. Oh. oh they think maybe you're one of those kids from the from the trial that they uh, never went back to. Nah, I'm, just, I'm, nah, ribbing, I'm ribbing that. I, I did think that was pretty creepy. I'm sure they'll go back to that eventually. Yeah. Anyway, we're talking about Castle Rock Episode 7, The, the Queen. Queen. Now... Why do you think it's called the Queen? For all the use of Beyonce music. In here. Uh, I think because um, uh, the prom queen. Oh. Uh, well, that's a little Room 237. That is my, a little Room 237. And I have some evidence. It's an allusion to the, the chess pieces and, of course, the queen of the show herself, Ruth Deaver, Sissy Spacek. Yes. Good point. Now, this episode is going to be very strangely structured because we just have to kind of barrel through it. Mm-hmm. Much like the episode itself does. Yeah. So we're basically just going to run down. I think Mac and I especially. I'm not sure if you did, Mike. Just took extensive notes. Just I did too. Beat by beat and transition by transition. And we'll just kind of run through it and then point out certain things that stood out, whether it's performance or the way the story was being told. And so... So no heroes and villains. No heroes and villains. No, no. no. For, all the, for all of you weirdos out there that are like, where's heroes and villains? Just We're, we're going to barrel <laughs> through this, all right, everybody? All right, so this is uh, an hour-long episode. Yes. It's not 45 minutes long. This is, a, this is a full hour, and it's Sissy Spacex in every single scene. Uh-huh. This is her episode. This is her bottle episode. Um, it basically kind of treks what it, it could be like for somebody who's suffering from dementia and what's going on in their own mind and their, their, their perspective, because so often we see the reaction of people dealing with this. You know, the reaction of people walking into a room and saying, you know, hey, it's your son, and, and that person not knowing. This kind of tries to dive into that while also tying events together from scenes that we've seen earlier on in the series. Yeah. And 
we obviously travel back and forth through, you know, just recent episodes. We go all the way back to 1991. In some cases, we go back even earlier than oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think if we're just going to talk about the episode just to kind of start with, I think it's uh, probably the best episode of television I've seen this year. Yeah. Uh, I've seen it twice. I, I really wanted to temper my, hype, my, my hyperbole after the first time I saw it last right, week. Right, right. But I had some days to think about it. I watched it again, and it is like, it's incredibly tight, and I was surprisingly really moved. Mm-hmm. Not just at that incredible ending, but throughout the entire episode. I yeah, was just there's, like, there's I mean, the, beats in, early on, like 20-minute yeah. marker, even earlier than that probably, where I was really moved. And I think it's just... They nail it, like you said. It's tight. The uh, God, the music's. I mean, it just—it's all tied together so well. And and again, I walked away from it as well. I watched it last week. Felt like I had to watch it again because I was kind of blown away by what they did. And then, like you, I think it's great. I, yeah. too. I still think it's and great. Mike, because you watched this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I had and to we be... were we were all very mad. Like, don't talk, don't tell uh-huh. us. So I had no idea what was going to be happening. So well, our honorary loser, Scott Wampler had actually watched seven before me because he had the screeners and we had been talking behind the scenes about it. And I saw on his Twitter account that he's just like, holy shit, seven is just unbelievable. And Mm -hmm. I had just been at six. So I remember I had watched six, which is pretty emotional too. I mean, based on our conversation we had last week, we talk about how hectic and how Mm -hmm. crazy it is. So it really does make you want to just like get to the next episode as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think that really helps uh, amplify the impact of this because you're not expecting that like you're not expecting this bottle thing because there's so much going on in episode and there's six. a lot of cliffhangers yeah that aren't just dealing with with ruth that you're like oh man and they kind of put that on hold but it, wow it is it gripping uh i'm not gonna i know you guys hate it when i bring it up but this is what would have happened if the standalone for s- season two of stranger things would have oh, actually yeah. worked no no i'm not no, joking I hear you saying. it is very yeah, similar yeah, yeah, yeah. no no it's beat for beat very similar because the end of episode six of stranger things season two you have the, the the opening of the under upside down all these crazy things that were happening with cliffhangers and then they do a bottle episode you know, of 11 you're and right, it doesn't work but the the difference there is the left hawkins we did not leave castle <laughs> yeah this is so true this is it true still feels like the show yeah but, I mean, it's yeah, it's still part of the story that's happening. It's right, still yeah. pivotal to what's happening because yeah. even all those flashbacks um, answer questions that we have yeah. had, mm-hmm. and then helps her answer her own questions. It's, no, it's a very serviceable episode yeah. for the actual narrative at hand, and without with by also being incredibly stylistic. Because I yeah. agree with you, I think this is the best hour of television I've seen this year. I mean, you could see my eyes. <laughs> yeah. They're like all fucking puffy. Like the ending of this is just maybe it's just because I'm on like an emotional high lately. But like I it just really hit me hard the second time even more yeah. because you start noticing little things. And I, I said it in the last week, but this is a show that you really have to rewatch. Like it's it benefits from rewatches mm-hmm. and this particular episode, especially because even the stuff that you find out at the end of this episode, when you rewatch it again, you start noticing little things that's yes. where it leads on to also that make it that much more you know compelling and and far more impacting so when you when they pan over to the chess piece at the end it's just so brutal like, yeah and um the person that wrote this episode is Sam Shaw he's one of the he's yeah. one of the showrunners and this feels like one of those episodes that you you build up your entire life to write right like, i feel like i not, i don't want to speak for him but i mean i got hints of uh lost mm-hmm. i got like the walkabout episode, uh, the walkabout episode of Lost, or even the Constant episode, yeah, which is still an incredible uh, hour of television. The Constant, of course, is when 
I, what's his name? Desmond. Uh, Desmond, Desmond and Penny, and, and they finally connect, and there's like actually hope on Lost for once, you know? Yeah. And also some stuff reminded me of, um, I forgot the name of the episode. It was the season five finale of Doctor Who. Mm. With the the way that they kind of have, it's a long story. If you've seen that episode of Doctor Who, you know what I'm talking about. Are you talking about the Pan- Pandora? Yeah, Pandora yeah. Guy? You know, he's like kind of traveling through time at the end, like going back and forth, and you discover he was somewhere earlier. Anyway, well, I just love yeah, time travel yeah, narratives, yeah. and this yeah. has that a little bit here. And uh, especially yeah, at the end, uh, a lot of the time traveler's wife, the book. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, funny use- enough, Stephen Moffat, who was the showrunner Doctor Who, is now doing a time traveler's wife TV series. Oh really? So yeah, probably better than the movie. Uh, I, the book's good. The movie I never saw. Mm. Good cast, but I like Rachel McAdams, and she's yeah. great in Game Night. But so. anyway, uh, she's great in Game Night. So yeah, okay. So we'll obviously be you know praising this episode as we go through, but let's uh, try to let's go try to through go this, this as as best we can because yeah. something else I also really loved about this episode it would have been really easy every time there was a jump back in time or back to the present to make some sound effect. I know it never happens. Nope. She'll just walk into another room and something else is happening. There's no weird music cue more often than not. It's just because it's that's how it would be like. It would not be like some big, oh, I'm about to go back to the present now. It, it's just, you know, you pick up a chess piece in your back. It reminded me a lot of the ending of 2001 A Space Odyssey when he's, yeah, he like he's aging and he's catching up after the, the, the star tunnel. Mm-hmm. And you basically have like those just quick, like, and sitting down. And then, you know, and then you just keep seeing the chess pieces. And it almost reminds me of like when I saw the chess pieces, I did actually hear that like sound effect from Lost uh, whenever they would just come back. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. They only do. There's like a minor one where they they kind of reset the frame a couple of times when she's walking down the hall. And that's the beginning of like all of these turns. But they never do it again. So it's just kind of like a little like a check for yourself to be like, oh, something's going on here. Like yeah. something is going on here. And, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. So the episode starts off, we discover where Ruth was at the end of episode six as she's made her way um, to the shed hiding from the kid. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the kid once again in this episode. Yeah, yeah. me too. Um, and she is searching for uh, bullets for the gun mm-hmm. that she has. And from there, we suddenly jump to... Pangborn. Pangborn giving her that chest set, chest which set. is also shown, I think, in episode five. And and then, um, he, and then he does say at one point there that um, I'll uh, he says uh, set up the chest pieces. I'll let you slaughter me after dinner. Oh God! Yeah. I didn't catch There's that. a lot of weird yeah. foreshadowing in this. There episode. is, yeah. Um, and so there, also there, in that sequence is interesting um, to celebrate getting the chest piece. She suggests that he gets champagne, right? Mm-hmm. So we all of a sudden cut to. The next portion of this episode, she's in the kitchen. Champagne is out mm-hmm. as well. So I guess maybe that was just like a little ritual they had from then on out. And Scott Glenn comes in and says, I'll be right back. I have to go deal with something outside. Yeah. You discover what we think is her old family dog, uh, Puck, right? Mm-hmm. That's the name. And we discover, no, that wasn't Puck. Puck died years ago. And this is just a stray dog. And, and so that right here, we're like, okay, I think we know where this episode's going. We're going right. to be going back and forth. Um, because even the first time I watched it, I was still confused as yeah, to yeah, that's is actually, but no, it was not, it was, which is it was crazy. Yeah. There was yeah, there was a little confusion there for me too the second time around. Clarified it because I, I was having a hard time hearing some of her dialogue. I think, but yeah, so but the, she also drops in that same scene. I believe that uh, the dog, the prior dog, was poisoned. 
that yeah. they found that they found she found poison in the trash or something. Mm-hmm. They allude to that, and well, then obviously go into it mer- f- further later. And they foreshadow with that too, because she tells Pangborns like you have no idea what he's capable of. Uh, and he, she's referencing Matthew, mm-hmm. um, the Reverend, yeah, her husband, her deceased husband, her husband, who is honestly uh, th- not to go off too much on a tangent, but Adam Rothenberg, who plays the the um, her husband uh, Matthew Deaver, yeah, I think he was fantastic in this episode. Absolutely, oh, yeah. What I loved about this, so this this performance is that. He's obviously unhinged, mm-hmm. and they could have easily done something where he's physically abusive to one or one or two of them, but he's just he's just playing crazy, and he's but he's still psychologically abusive. Obviously, with Matthew, who doesn't want to go out into the woods. I oh, mean, and, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, not Matthew, but Henry, Henry. Henry. Want to go yeah. into yeah. the woods, and and even when she goes to talk to Pangborn, there's nothing they can really do unless she just decides to divorce him. Right, because he nothing. says that it's not physical abuse, so there's yeah. no grounds for the divorce or anything. For separation. Well, we then cut to the next morning, and all of a sudden, the dog is on the bed with Ruth. But it is Puck. Yeah. We've gone back in time again, where Puck is alive. And so um, we then also learn that Ruth had Alan bury the stray in the suitcase. Mm-hmm. Um. To, to to make up for yeah. not right. find not finding or burying. A well, puck. he says burying burying one dog pays a debt on the other. Yeah, and I think there's a little, another little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, so they mention in the doctor's office when she she then jumps to the the doctor's office where two conversations are being held at the same time. It's like two different visits, I think, mm-hmm. happening at the same time. Um, because you hear like conflicting things that Pangborn's saying. I think that just... she's keying in on some some things, but not others. I think it's just a... I don't think it's necessarily a doctor's visit that she's remembering. She's just remembering a conversation that she had with him at some okay, other point. Because yeah. like, I think she says... He, he, I remember an earlier episode where he says, like, she's she's the smartest person he knows. And you hear that in this episode yes, in, yes. in the office. And now, I don't think that... Now, they mentioned the thing about Alzheimer's, and they're like, well, we can't really diagnose Alzheimer's until post-mortem. Yeah, which is... So, and I know that somewhere we said that it was dementia that she definitely has, but I don't know if they've ever said that outright. I just think she obviously has... She's having a a, a breakdown of a, in an Alzheimer's capacity, and there's a... Conf- and they mentioned there's a confusion of time and space, which obviously yeah. is something huge going on this episode. Well, there's also a lot of recurring elements of just like that post-mortem discussion, you know, whether it's the dead dogs, Matthew Deaver... The town itself, mm-hmm. Lacey, there's, that, that seems to be almost like the theme of this season is just this like the sins that are left behind from the the ones that have already passed and how those sins keep that person alive. That's um, a good take. You know, and, and I see that a lot in this episode for sure, especially specifically with the dogs. And it's almost like the dogs are just this like sort of recurring element of like a, a haunting for her, for Ruth herself that she can't get over because it's just this. You know, she she tried to move away from you know Matthew Deaver, and she can't, and she keeps mm-hmm. coming back and haunting her in certain ways, and it's almost like the dementia itself is seems to be emblematic of like what Matthew Deaver was going through, because as you find out in this episode, he's got some ailments also. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I just wanted to mention there's a sequence here where Scott Glenn and Sissy Basic are walking back to the house, and mm-hmm. it's where he's. She says, you know, don't leave and all yeah. that stuff, whatever. Or, or, or do you remember what I said back, you know, yeah. whatever it was. So she references that. So that by, seems, at this point, you the, have... Watching the two of them... I'm sorry. I just, I'm just, like, highlighting them real great. Watching the two of them, it's, it's so good. Oh, I agree. They're so good. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, the, there's a lot of great moments I'm going to point yeah, out here yeah. in this. Oh, totally. But the 
it's interesting at this point now, you already have, I think, at least two or three references to the closing moment of this episode because he mentions he yeah. talks to Henry about it mm-hmm. uh, in, in the, an earlier episode. In the earlier episode, and then she's hinting at this here. So you already have like the roots of this scene. Like this is just how much they've orchestrated this moment. Yeah, genius. Yeah, and just, it wasn't one of those things where when you heard it the first time. Where you thought, okay, I have to remember this. It wasn't telegraphed that way at all. No, that's it's, no, just, it's not. I remember, yeah. oh, I remember that conversation. Yeah, I remember him talking to Henry about that. But they do so and you much. you move on, you know? Yeah, they do so much of that throughout the episode. You, you, you're paying attention to everything, but you don't really know where this is no. going to end up. That's why for the recap of this episode, I already seen episode seven. <laughs> so I oh, told God. everyone, I was just like, all right, just, this, is a very, this will come back somehow. Um, we also get reminded about why she places chess pieces all over the house. Mm-hmm. It's to remind herself that if she gets lost in her memories, once she finds the chess piece, she knows how to get back to the present. And, she, and that's laid out with a, um, another flashback in which she's telling Henry the story of Hansel and Gretel and yes, how they I left behind breadcrumbs. That. Something I didn't catch the first time because yeah. I was just watching the, uh, the structure. I don't know. I can't remember. Mike, you looked this up who directed this episode. This, this director had done a lot of work on Lost, of course, another Bad Apple show in the past. Um, he, he won an Emmy apparently for Best Direction uh, for House about 10 years ago yeah. um, this sequence here is incredible because now when she starts to flash back she's literally seeing herself mm-hmm. she's like almost having like an out of body experience and, and they, she's becoming wistful as she places the, the chess pieces in the kitchen in the, in the living room and whatnot. it's uh, Greg Yatane's Excellent. This director is incredible. And also, on on this rewatch, and if you are going to rewatch it, there are a lot of close-ups, obviously, of the chess pieces, but there are also a lot of close-ups of, like, um, uh, staircase knobs Mm -hmm. and a lot of close-ups of bulbs, because and they look similar to what you see on the knob of a a basic chess piece. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a pawn. So I think that was also a reference into how she's getting lost and confused and maybe looking for things and and they're not there. Which is really, really, really well done. But not not overdone at all. I have a a question about the banister. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when in the beginning when she leaves and she wakes up when she has the blood on her hands and she has that's why she goes downstairs and is like, oh, the the linens for the bed. When she touches the banister, there's blood in the banister. Mm. Is that, and she's in the present at that moment. Mm. Is that does are we supposed to assume that the blood was actually like it's almost like a Nightmare on Elm Street thing where she brought it back with her? I think or? that that moment is after she stabbed the kid mm, and is yeah. walking down the hallway. This is another moment of her. That's like actually what really happened because I forgive us for jumping around. Much like Ruth is in, in this episode, I think you're gonna after have to, she though. stabs yeah. the kid in the episode. Mm-hmm. Right when she runs out, she's all of a sudden flashback to that crowded hallway. Yes, which so is we very... don't actually see what happens yeah. when she was running down yeah, the hall. Totally, but it's it's. It's what she stabbed him with her hands blood okay. with her with his blood. I, I just now realized that talking about it. Yeah. Fact, I didn't I didn't think about it, but I think oh, that's you're like a like Gordy Lachance over here with the deer. Hey. Um They also focus again when he's when she's in the kitchen right right after that, I believe, with uh Henry and his son. Mm-hmm. And the son's reading the program for the father's for the Matthew's funeral and, and says the behold I will tell you a mystery portion of the program, oh, yeah. which is what he says to Molly in that scary sequence when she sees him in the house the yeah. very beginning which is also like oh, you get weird. a really good uh, cutaway and f- like it, that kind of triggers a memory of them being in the church and you right, know that right. Matthew has Matthew actually literally sees Pangborn kind of eye fucking <laughs> Ruth in his own church so you you start getting the feeling that like Matthew's that maybe that's when the the sort of 
vindictive nature came out about him or something. Or I mean, I think it was always there, but it's something else pivotal happens around this point is um, we cut to uh, Ruth and Painborn in bed and Painborn is teaching her a magic trick. Once again, in the books, Alan Painborn is a a huge fan of magic and he teaches her the the French slip, the Mm -hmm. kind of sleight of hand where it looks like you've made something disappear in your hand. And that obviously comes into play near the end of the episode. So let's keep that in mind as we talk about it. He also teaches her uh, some palming. Ooh. <laughs> nice little pound cake there. And the chemistry between the two of them, as I've said from the beginning, yeah. is just, I could just watch a whole series with those two, honestly. that was That's what when Mac had mentioned before, the two of them together. That scene is just great. And, and any, especially when you know. Together, uh, it's it's and, so natural and like, ugh, it's, And it's that, so uh, that takes place in that sequence I was talking about where she's, a lot of times we just flash and she's just in the character. Mm-hmm. But this is another sequence where she's walking around from room to room, remembering pleasant memories. And the Thomas Newman score during these oh, scenes is yeah, also I wrote just that down. It's, gorgeous. And it sounds yeah. like the peaks of like Shawshank Redemption. Uh, it reminded cases. me of uh, a, a lot of the sequences here, or at least between the two of them. It kind of reminded me of um, some of the sections from 1122 like mm, when they're yeah. in the, when they're in the bungalow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this scene, this sequence is great, and it's so beautifully shot. It's a very rare, beautiful, beautifully shot moment in the series where the sun's coming in, mm-hmm. they're just rolling around in bed. It's heaven. It's well, heaven. It's happier would, times. Oh and God. then it's yeah. followed up where it starts to take a turn where she sees the kid out in the yard yeah. and says that, well, that mentions that, oh, didn't we bury him in that suit? Your father. And then it cuts to her upstairs looking out the window as mm-hmm. Henry's leading the kid out to go to oh, and that- Juniper Hills. And he <laughs> lingers and out before getting in the car. The uh, Subaru Outback, <laughs> noticed twice now, Ooh. looks up <laughs> and sees Loser's Club is sponsored by Subaru. Subaru. I just thought it was funny. I was like, oh, we're going on an adventure. Uh, <laughs> I'm going on an adventure. Now, and, let me tell you, every summer I like to hit the road. Four oh, wheels, RAV4. So S- Sissy's looking out the window, or Ruth's looking out the window, and he just kind of is lingering looking at her. And I think that's where you start to get the real parallels between the kid and Matthew. Mm-hmm. Is something's going on there. Whether it's it's still... Uh, it's so so well done. I I'm still have a lot of questions about like that connection. Um, yeah, but I want to talk get about that obviously as we continue. The kid, but um, another big part of this episode is the sequence where yeah. Ruth is on a walk mm-hmm. in the woods with and Matthew right and Henry back in yes. around 1990-91. He, he tells her a great story. What's that great story about the, the I think it's a Japanese, Japanese yeah. soldier. Well, he, I, right. I got World some quotes here. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go. So he's, he goes, I, he wants to let the woods say grace today, which is which already a sort of force. the his church is the woods mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and then he says that, you know, they, they sit down, they have a picnic, and he also has, uh, he doesn't have just sandwiches in that basket. <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. He's got something from, I believe he said it was like Walmart. He stopped by and grabbed a gun, which is uh, could be a commentary on how easy it is yes, to get weapons I, I, in I this uh, country. Was, uh, not so subtle. Yeah. A fun little fun but, little uh, Yeah. Love the NRA. But uh, I've had a, he can see, he says, I've had a beautiful experience and I want to share it with you, with you. Do you know what the Psalms say about taking your own life? Because your life belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how he wanted to go into the woods to kill himself because he, if he didn't have the the notion and the, the acknowledgement that God exists, he just couldn't handle it anymore because the town is just so sinful. Everything's gone to shit. So he he needs he, want, some sort he of wanted hope. to hear from God. And he wanted to hear. And what did he hear? He says, I told God I couldn't live without proof. He put the gun to his head and then he says, I heard it. I heard God. 
the sound of the woods, his voice. And he talks about how he parallels that, yeah, with this this story of like a Japanese soldier, a World War II Japanese soldier that, you know, whatever happens, he wasn't going to surrender and he wasn't going to take his own life and that the war was even over and that people told him that the war was over and he still wouldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't believe the tea leaves that would fall. That's like the image that he said, that he wouldn't believe the tea leaves. That fell from and the, the slips that were falling, saying that the war is yeah. the war is right, over, because right. he couldn't accept the fact that all of his superiors were dead and all of his friends were yeah. dead. Yeah, and so Ruth basically wants him to call Doctor Pierce, um, and Matthew basically says he scraped all that out of me, which and which is he's referencing. But you find out later that she mentions that he has glaucoma. I think glaucoma or. or Something. No, basically it's, it's a it's, growth it's, on the brain. Yeah. yeah. It's like a tumor, it sounds like. Yeah. So it's not a tumor. Remove uh, that I was dying not to say. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Detective Richard Kimball. <laughs> Should we I'm go a on a tangent? Idiot. There? No, I'm a copy no, no. idiot. No, no, no. This tangents is too great. are strictly for the needful yeah. uh, tweets yeah, or that's, news. That's good. So that's good. She's able to scramble over to a chess piece in the brush and then is pulled to uh seeing Henry's son. Yes, right? and this yeah. part is also uh Laced with foreshadow, uh, Henry's. Well, I'm sorry. What's Henry's son's name again? Henry's son, Wendell. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Wendell um, shows Ruth a video game. Now, again, I don't play video games, so I don't know what the hell's going on. But it looks like a type of popular video game that somebody might play. I'm not sure what the hell Fortnite is, but maybe something like that. Anyway, it's it's one of those games where you're actually you have your video camera on, so you're seeing what's actually in your house, but then all of a sudden, like ghosts a zombie will pop up, a ghost out, yeah. ghost will emerge and attack. Much like what's happening with Ruth is that she's walking through her house and and memories essentially are haunting her during that sequence. Um, and so the kid says, uh, the kid, I'm sorry, Henry's son, Matthew. No, what's his name again? Wendell. Wendell. Wendell, Wendell says, <laughs> like, like it's such a, so crazy that I wouldn't remember this kid's yeah. name. He's been in one episode. I don't know what yeah, his fucking name is. Um, he says, you know, there are dead people everywhere in the game. You can kill your nemesis and fix the timeline, mm-hmm. you know, if you're able to do that. And then Ruth says, but you gotta stay sharp. Yeah, and that explains why in the last episode we see her dumping out all of her pills. And there's also some really weird foreshadowing here because Wendell also says they can change their skin. Sometimes they look like your allies. Yes, and that's why I think she starts to, th- to put together that maybe the kid is Matthew mm-hmm. in some some yes. way, shape, or form. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so again, at this point, we discover truth. I think we kind of discover this in the last episode when Alan's listening on the radio. But there's been a big fire. At Juniper Hill, and there are 14 people confirmed dead, uh, either by the kid or by the fire. But an alert has gone out to keep an eye out for the kid. And unfortunately, he's at the house again. He's at the house with Ruth. Uh, did you want to say something, Mike? Well, there was one little bit of information that was in the woods that oh. I didn't want to gloss over too much. And maybe it's not a lot, and maybe it's not that important. When she's in the woods talking to Matthew and Henry? Yeah. Okay. And Matthew basically references one of the another biblical narrative oh, which the is Psalm Paul. the Psalms. yeah the and and the, and the road to Damascus yes and that's very important to what's going on with the kid because he basically talks about how um Paul became it was like the conversion of Paul the apostle and it almost seems to be kind of foreshadowing what's happening with how he comes back through the kid um you know maybe it's it's not really him but his return it's not his it, it just seems to be like that's another little piece of foreshadowing and parallel yeah, oh, absolutely you know which is also really creepy because you wonder okay is he telling this story because at the moment he felt that he was being called upon by god 
or was there a part of Matthew that knew what was going to happen in, in the years to come? Mm. I don't know. And, and, and as much as I love this episode, it gets really muddy a little bit later on with Matthew, but obviously we'll continue to get to that. Uh, um, let's see. What was the next So anyway, the kid is, is at the house oh, now yes, with Ruth. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, of course, there's another flashback yeah. where Ruth is taking a bath and playing a, a memory game, of course, with, with Henry and uh, Matthew walks in and doesn't think it's appropriate for him to spend time with her while she's in the bath. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, once again, there's like a curtain up, so it's not like yeah. she's totally naked in front yeah. of him or anything. Um, well, there was like a, a line before. She's just like, come on and get in the, ba- get in the bathtub with me. Oh, yeah. True, true. <laughs> No, but <laughs> uh, he's very much again against the idea. He says, you know, it's not blood; it's different. Yeah. And we also learn that um, while Matthew has kept the gun in the house, he has hidden the bullets and tells Ruth, "You'll never find them." Well, he actually says, "They'll never find them." Well, I thought he says, "You'll never find them." Anyway, well, I, I wrote that down because I just thought that was really interesting that he would say it like that, like like as if he. It's like I could have said you'll never find them. I thought he's. I have it as you'll. Yeah, but, I'm pretty uh, sure it's you'll. Maybe I'm. Maybe I'm just uh, an idiot. No, I'm just kidding. I, I maybe I just heard it wrong. Maybe you need to find a chess uh, piece and get back to the. Yeah, person. I know. This is the second time, guys. I, I've been doing. I mean, I, this is the second loop for me. Sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, do you have the, the the horn of Eld? Um, no. Oh, God. Yeah, wow. Hopefully. Here we go. Spoilers. Hopefully. Uh, I do. Okay, so we cut again to. Um, there's a knock on the door. It's Molly. Thing of evil, Molly. Thing of evil, yeah. And, and she, she is in search of Henry. She thinks she thinks that something really awful is happening. But do we think that that is present time? Yes, yes. She... I think that's when, when Henry goes out to the woods. Okay, okay. So, and this moment's huge because Ruth says that she knows what Molly did all those years ago, yep. but says that she did right. Yeah, but she's convinced it didn't take, mm-hmm. and she is now convinced that the kid is somehow her husband. Somehow, like you were saying, like somehow reincarnated. Well, this was really creepy too because this is the line that was from the original trailers where yeah. you know, she goes, uh, I Something's think something's going to happen. And she goes, like, it already is happening. happening yeah. like, which is such a good, uh, oh, ca- so like, creepy, yeah. Sissy SpaceX delivery there is just perfect. Well, and let's but, take a break in terms of the, the plotting and just talk about Sissy SpaceX a little bit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, she literally has to go through every single emotion in this episode. I'm not sure how they filmed this. I'm, I'm assuming they filmed all the happier moments in, once, in one block and then all the stressful parts in another because she is jumping all over the place. Yeah. And that's not criticism at all. It's a compliment. And she's throwing herself completely into this performance. There's a scene when she is just desperately trying to tell herself to, to leave. Oh, and my gosh. That, that's so heartbreaking. There's certain, you know, you, start, you watch enough shows and movies over the years and you, you think about certain ways that people would would say a certain line on the on the page, and then you you see her the way she says just go and, and the desperation that she finds like you're like oh that's these moments and these um deliveries are reserved for like a plus acting legends like Sissy Spacek she's mm-hmm. won Oscars she's been nominated multiple times she's been nominated for Emmys and won Emmys she's she's truly a legend I think who's kind of been forgotten because she does not do mainstream stuff very much at all if ever I mean she was never popping up in some romantic comedy, you know, as like somebody's yeah, boss yeah. or any real major Oscar bait over the years. She just shows up and is always Knocks the best the person on the on whatever she's doing. Um, and this is no exception. It's incredible to think about how far away this character is. We, we make all these jokes about Carrie. Hey, there are but, not so many jokes. I'm telling you, I got some some real uh, source. Well, well, well I, I think in terms sources. of in terms of the way she acts, the character is is so far away from the way that the character of Carrie acted. Yeah, uh, what forty 
43, 44 years ago. It's kind of like a like Laurie Strode and uh, Carrie Tate here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this boy. is a little more believable. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I can't say enough about it. I, I just wanted to cut in here in case we get lost, much like uh, Ruth, Ruth does, and without saying how... Uh, just incredible Phenomenal. she's in this episode. The, the, and the weight on her shoulders for this is insane. And she's in every single scene for an hour. I know. I just can't even imagine doing this now mm. at my age where I'm, you know, 34. Yeah. Uh, today on this episode, actually. Wow. Um, happy birthday to me. Not a reference to uh, the horror movie. But at 68 years old, to have to go through all these sort of... I mean, this is a very, very, very complicated performance that... I, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's a lot. I mean, this, the, the, the way the narrative is so pretzeled and launched, I mean, it's, it's wild. It's, it's just yeah. an absolute testament to how she is, as a, you know, how amazing she is as a performer. Yeah, I agree. I you absolutely know? agree with you guys. I mean, I would just absolutely get lost. I would need my own chess pieces to, mm-hmm. uh, while doing the screenplay for this uh, episode. I mean, I just, it's wild. And I, and I really do agree with the hype online right now that people are saying like oh this is emmy 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 material yeah, it should be i don't know i yeah, mean I, 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 i'd be very knows. curious but the good thing now is that hulu is is on the map much yeah. like netflix has been on the map handmaid's tale is one i think it won best drama at the emmys last year so yeah the hulu so shows looking. are being recognized yeah. and i hope yeah. i hope that you know i think it's a long shot for this to be nominated for like best drama or something yeah but i do hope that that she is not forgotten and that uh, scott glenn is not forgotten along the way yeah. And of course, um, Andre, uh, Andre, Andre Holland. Drummond. You know, so you said Andre Drummond last week. Andre Drummond oh, is no, a center not, for the Pistons. That is ter- so, Andre Holland. That's Andre. I, Holland. I made the same mistake. Wow. <laughs> no, but it's Andre <laughs> Holland. Andre Holland. That's why I haven't been able to uh, to tag him on uh, Instagram lately. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, why is he practicing free throws? That's so funny. No, um, I um, like you know. I don't have really much hopes in terms of the awards at this point because yeah. considering Kyle MacLachlan was absolutely snubbed for Twin Peaks, yeah. I just, who knows with, at this point. Yeah. But anyway, she's... Yeah. To be fair, this is slightly more mainstream than Twin Peaks also, yeah, though. So, true. you know. Well, I'm going I'm anyway. to grab another chess piece yes. to bring us back to... <laughs> Can we plot. talk about the kid? The kid. Okay. I have a theory. Mm-hmm. And I, I might be wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying it's 100% right. Okay. I, the way that this episode position positions him is to make it seem like maybe he is truly evil or bad after all i don't i still don't think he's evil i think that i think that he was legitimately trying to calm her i think that he Mm -hmm. he's other he's supernatural we've established this so i think he's able to like pull memories that she has and memories of her dead husband and use them i think he was trying to calm her and because he knows about family that's why he re i think that's why he hung up that picture he knows the safety, the safety combination, and he he like makes her dinner, and because he's so strange and so offbeat, like when he tries to smile, but it comes off kind of creepy. Yeah. It's because he's supernatural and he's obviously totally antisocial. I do think he's actually trying to calm her. He's not. I I don't think he's trying to kill her. Well, well and, or, the, and or another thing that supports that theory is that he. You know, he gives her the combination to the to the safe, but the bullets aren't there, so yeah. it's okay that he does that. Is you know, what I mean, he's not trying to lead her necessarily to the bullets. You know what I'm saying? Well, I don't think he knows so anything like, about bullets at this point. I, mean, I don't think he knows that she's trying to find bullets to kill him. But I, I well, not not him. But I think, I think, I still think. Well, see, I'm of two minds because I think that, I think that he's he's kind of leads her on this journey so that she ends up in the place where she does to shoot that's what i'm worried Stuck about because yeah. well that's a possibility because he of what says he in said. the prior yeah. episode that like 
why did you leave me in that trunk yeah. and that you know people that he was going to get what he deserved the people that did that were going to yeah. get what they deserved how um also uh you know like like you were saying well what we're as we go we'll, I'll I'll bring it up but um the uh what's the next part of that she sends oh uh, so Wendell comes downstairs mm-hmm. and sees that he's gone oh oh I know what it was it was that he says the thing about the medication yeah. and mm-hmm. he's trying to get her to take the medication so that she can't go on this journey yeah. basically that she's going on right now and figuring all this stuff out so like and that supports your theory a little bit it that, does. that he's trying to cloud I think he wants her, to her calm mind. her down yeah like he's rest. trying but he's trying to cloud her mind in the sense that if she's not sharp then she can't do these things and, and end up hurting Alan well she's he says several lines and he says I think it's best for you given your condition that she lie down on the sofa mm-hmm. and relax he wants um, to keep her in, in his sights to yeah. make sure mm-hmm. she doesn't do anything and of course the way away. he says it because he's so emotionless yes. it sounds malevolent sounds but creepy. it's just how he acts. I mean, he plays know? the the Blue Moon song, uh, the vinyl that was at their wedding. And he just thinks he's trying to like yeah. bring back good memories. I, he doesn't realize how terrified she was of her husband. He's just trying to like <laughs> right. be nice and like, don't you remember this this song that you loved and we and you danced? Yeah. Wasn't this a great rem- memory? And let's let's you know. But right. there's there's weird things that are suggestive of an, the other side of the things where this is all just puzzle pieces to lead to the death of you know Pangborn, yeah. and i think that you know you see the family photo henry smashed on it mm-hmm. which is hanging on the wall the cross is back up on the wall which yeah. is something that she had taken yes, down yes and I, um, I noticed in the last episode i was like yeah. oh the cross is uh gone i mentioned yeah. the very end and I, and then that came back and to then play. it's back like, oh, <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah yeah so i, I you know the, but then again it's it's interesting because it's it there is there is this weird dichotomy at play where you do still wonder it, it could be construed either way right yeah. now, which is exciting, which is excellent. And I'll say also even right up to the point where where he gets stabbed, when we go to episode six. I think he's not, you know, he's on the front, he's bleeding. I think he's just angry that she stabbed him. You know, what I mean, I, I think he's, yeah. that's why he's still like upset and it's like now he's really getting mad at people. Like you people are getting deserved. Like I was trying to be nice and. He thought he was trying to be nice, yeah. and she, he got stabbed for for his efforts. I mean, right, again, right. maybe I I'm reading that. Saying. Maybe it's a different read. Ultimately, but I'm, I'm saying that this could all be misconstrued. And, but that's and, a great, which is great. It's, yeah, it's, if it's a mislead, great mislead. You know what I mean? You're still making us guess at every corner and every turn, which is excellent. I'm not sure what's going on. And again, yeah. it's Skarsgård, so it's just unbelievable. On so, so, when, so Wendell's son comes downstairs, and he's like, "I don't want to leave you alone with this guy." She gives him an envelope and says to go. Downtown. Well, she's like, I haven't gotten you a gift, uh, you know, in, in years or whatever. So she takes some money and go to the, take a cab and go to the mall, <laughs> which is great. Okay. I'd love to see like I'd like I wish that we kind of cut away to like Wendell hanging out in the mall. You know, he's like at Sabaro or something. Just but like this is chilling. another and this is another thing that you know the, when the kid shows up, he seems really concerned mm-hmm. uh, of Wendell's whereabouts. Yeah. Mm. So then now I'm also thinking like, well, if he is good, then. Maybe Wendell's on his way to to some trouble. So, you yeah. know, maybe he's going to get in some trouble on his mm-hmm. way to wherever he's going now, and that's why he didn't want him to leave. I mean, he's so kinda, layered. Love it. I mean, the, the kid the kid could be a lot like uh, you know my hero Steve Harrington. He's just worried. He just wants to take care of these. Hey, kids. maybe the kid was going to the mall where Steve Harrington's working. He could be. Oh, I was just ahoy. about to say that. Ugh. That loser's was... probably still working at that mall. The same job. <laughs> oh my lord! In 2018, um, I don't yeah. know. So so she she has another flashback to when she's consoling henry in bed because or calling him out for having a fake fever mm-hmm. and 
apparently he was out in at night in the rain with no shoes on. Yes. And it was like, did your, did your father send you out there? Mm. Um, and he says, he tells her that he does not hear the sound at this point, at least that he does not hear the sound. She says, tell your father that you hear it. Just tell him, tell him what he wants to hear basically. Uh, and then <laughs> creepy old Matthew comes strolling in the room and <laughs> God, I tell you what, and it's such, and like you said, it's not an abusive situation, but it, it, just his presence is so scary when he's, he's just, looming there in the in the doorway, and, and he's like, "Oh, you you have a fever, huh? Yeah, okay. Well, uh, rest up, you know." Yeah. And he's just a bad. Just he just plays a bad husband and a yeah, bad father. Yeah. You know, that's what he's really playing here. It's scary. Um, and uh, this sequence, I don't think there's a lot to say there that I haven't already mentioned. Well, but we find out that he was sick, but long before Henry ever came into the picture. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we also he also says. That uh, Wendell says, or not Wendell, um, uh, Henry says that uh, I he was teaching me. Right. Yes, right. Yes. Mm-hmm. He and then teaching me to hear God, and like you know, Ruth just wants him to just yeah to, to put on a front. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, another flashback that was shot very similar to the flashbacks in Stand by Me, with like the blue hue. Oh, okay, and, sure. And sure. It just it felt, uh, it felt yeah, very similar yeah. to that. Um, younger Pangborn. Mm-hmm. She goes to visit him in his office to report that Puck has gone missing, but Pangborn is thinking that she's maybe there for something else. Yeah, and something about her husband. And and, and, and at this point, we we learn in, in the relationship they don't know. He doesn't know what he is to her, and mm-hmm. she just says, "You know, you're a friend." But at the same time, you know, he's in love with her. Yeah, because he's like, "Am I a sheriff?" Right. Yeah. Or you know, and he says, "As a sheriff, there's no legal bounds for separation because your husband's not abusive, but as a friend." Pick up a road atlas yeah. and point at it, and let's go. Yeah, and, and specifies that she doesn't. He doesn't want her to leave Henry, so it, it, Henry would definitely, obviously, be in the picture. So mm-hmm. he, he really is truly like in love with this woman. And he references Texas, which is awesome. which is funny. And then Henry actually ends up in Texas. Yeah. Too. I love. I love um, that you oh, get a little right. preview of the Scott Glenn uh, Venom. I was gonna say the fuck, fuck this, like, fuck this town, fuck this town, fuck oh, this yeah, town. She's my language. Oh, she's by language. the way, uh, on that topic, uh, I have uh, a couple of quotes from uh, Glenn earlier that were great. Um, oh, and the, and the doctor's and office. the doctor's office, yeah. is, you know, just absolutely wonderful. Let's hear it. Um, yeah, I do mind. You know how fucking condescending that sounds. Oh, wait, there's another one. Out. You know how fucking condescending that sounds. <laughs> anyway, anyway, he's got some great. He's got some great lines as always. Does our Scott Glenn? But then we we cut to oh, and this is great. This is what you were saying. What when she leaves the the so he they get interrupted. She walks out of the sheriff's door. Right into her kitchen, and yeah. it's such a great shot, yeah. a great transition. It, it's very much like the 2001 thing, yeah. you know. Like she just she's walking through, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh. wait, wait, what, what, what? Like it's yeah. such a good shot. I love it. And in the kitchen, she just this is when the moment she discovers that Puck was likely poisoned, and she goes out back and she sees vultures circling, which is foreshadowing mm-hmm. as right. well. Sadly enough, the kid, and then oh, we cut back yeah. to the kid who was made. Ruth, pretty good dinner. Um, her favorite dinner, yeah. And, and, and eggs over hard, which is uh, one of my favorites. Too. And There's says, <laughs> but more importantly, um, this is when he suggests that she takes a sedative to calm down. Yeah. And, and and he says something that Matthew has said in the past: mm-hmm. God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. But we remember a trick that Ruth learned earlier on: the French slip. And she does not really take her sedative. She yeah. makes it look like she did, and she drops it on the on the yeah. table once he leaves. Great, another great uh, callback. Yeah. Um, Love the callback, and I have to say, uh, reminded me a little bit of uh, Sarah Connor from Terminator Two. Judgment oh yeah, 
Well, the kid didn't. Try, the kid didn't try to lick her face later on. That know, is very God. true. Yeah. So he um, draws her a bath, and this is when um, Ruth goes once again in search of the bullets and can't find them in the well, safe that he's got the yeah. And she company. says, she says, "Who are you?" And he says. I'm smaller than a teacup, which is yeah, what, what is Henry, that? which what, what Henry yeah. said to her in the bath when they were playing the game before they get interrupted mm-hmm. by Matthew. This is what I'm talking about. Like, so he like, knows what? things. Yeah, it doesn't like, mean that he's the reincarnation of anybody, right? And and so he, it was like I've, it was like he was like, okay, what, what are what's a nice memory that you had in this in this area in this room, and just like channeling Henry and that. That's a good point. Thing. Actually, it's very interesting. And then, you know, obviously. Um, uh, I mean, she stabs him. But stabs like, him, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what's really, I love that shot of her in her heels, I think, or her in her shoes where she's like standing in the water. Oh, yeah. yeah, in, the, sure. yeah. In, in the bathtub. Oh, it's so great. So this moves to where she's packing the gun and the bag to leave. And this that's is the, the scene moment that I was Justin talking was about talking earlier. About, where she says, please just leave him. And mm-hmm. it's one of the best scenes in the show. Like it, I mean, I was just, uh, I was just like in tears. Watch it because she just is like struggling. It's just so sad because you know, you know, she doesn't leave. I you know, know what I mean? And, and it's just mm-hmm. like she can't change that pa- part of her past. And it's such a commentary on just. And I just wrote, just give her all the awards. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a great scene. Um, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, it's. It's, it's it's interesting because the the show at that point is commenting on something much bigger than what's actually happening, which is yeah. you know like you know domestic abuse, the you know the whole idea of being trapped in these situations, yeah. and and you know it's and just it's, hindsight, like it's so yeah. easy to say that yeah. that to leave, but like at the time she was so conflicted, you mm-hmm. know, like, it's not that easy, it's not that no. black and white. Yeah, know? this is the like you're saying, this is the old commentary of well, why don't these people leave their yeah. abusive. We don't. It's a psychological thing when you get. It's. I don't even want to get into it. But you, you know, with someone, even with someone as great as Penguin, it's yeah. hard. If it was easy, it wouldn't be a situation. There's a grip you know I mean? that that comes over you when you're when you're in love and trust somebody, and you know, it's it's a whole. Yeah. Thing. Anybody out there knows what I'm talking about. Anyway, so this is the stretch run of the episode, though, mm. because so, now, because yeah, so oh, this is where I start to have questions. So as you as you guys continue to walk through this, I'm gonna ask. I, some I think questions. I've got an answer for you. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, oh, is this when she uh, finds herself in Darren Aronofsky's mother? I was just thinking the same thing. Well, the crowded like, hallway. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was thinking, thinking the same thing. Something else, but okay, yeah, let's go. Uh, so yeah, so we cut to her at the funeral. And, okay, so um, so here's my question: We see a little girl on the ground. Mm-hmm. Where you see her first in in her morning. morning, and then there's a little girl on the ground playing cards. And she goes and sits down next to her. Is that supposed to be her when yes. she's really yeah. young? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think then, her mind at this point is just... when they say Ruth, they both look over, mm-hmm. and then she's at the funeral. And she walks over, and she says, who's in there? Is that me? Mm-hmm. Is it me? And Pangborn's just like, oh, you know, I'm sorry, or whatever it is. Um, and then she sees that she's actually sitting on the couch right, mm-hmm. next, right next to her. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that that was who we thought it was. Like, I was kind of thinking... Is this maybe a girl that we haven't seen no, in it's, the future? Like maybe she's jumping just, that time too. But it's yeah, just yeah. you know she's the Alzheimer's or the, whatever it is right? Dementia. Yeah, totally. She's in full swing here. Oh, by the way, I, I think did we mention this that um, a lot of those flashbacks is actually played by uh, Carrie. I'm Carrie, <laughs> Sissy Spacek's real daughter. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, Skylar is that really? Fisk. Yeah. Oh wow. Skylar Fisk is um is her daughter. Also Jack Fisk, who did all the set designs for all those the Palma movies back in the day. Um, that's cool. She was also the younger version of Sissy Spacek in Bloodline. <laughs> oh wow! And, those that's random. and she was on 
she's very best known for um, Orange County with Colin Hanks and Jack Black. Oh, she's the oh. girlfriend. Oh, wow, very interesting. Uh, good actress. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Is it the anyway, Tommy Brock, Orange County. In the it is Orange, Orange is. County. <laughs> uh, Kevin Klein. So um. here we go. We are okay, Mac. Is this for the part you're confused about? The husband and I'm oh, this con- is this I'm is one of my favorite scenes. Confused about it. I, well, I think I mean I know what happens, but it's confusing in the context of everything that we've we've been seeing. Because she realizes Where, that she's not time traveling. She's just, these are memories that she's mm-hmm. having. And well, he's be, reminding her that these are her memories. Well, this is where you start wondering if the kid really is doing this for malicious intent. Or if this is actually her own mind drawing up her yes. husband. And it's not the kid actually exactly. promoting right. her. Which is really Cause, crazy. Because he, he starts going, you know, he, she's trying to find the bullets. And she's trying to figure out in her mind, and I'm trying to remember what movie just recently did this, where the construct in the mind was able to kind of figure out, was it Gerald's Game? Where, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. so it, it's it's very similar to that, where she's actually relying on her own brain to kind of answer her own sort of like kind of back and forth yeah, questions. because she's having a conversation with Matthew, and he at some point says that he is her and she is he, and that he, and he actually helps her, he kind of helps her and, you know, yeah. reminds her where she left the bullets. Yeah, because he's he does that great uh, delivery, and again, that's uh, Adam Rothenberg, who is well, I, just. I don't really know if I've seen him before. He was in Mad Money, uh, Tennessee, The Immigrant, probably a stage uh, actor. Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. But he was he's great in this, and he's just like he's like I, I know you want you want me to tell you where the bullets are, and I can't do that because I'm not you, or I'm not me. I'm you, and and it, he just. His delivery there is just like yeah. you really get to see this guy actually come out from like being the kind of stoic mm-hmm. sort of right, reverend, right. and it's so good. I just so love that. Yeah, of ahead. course, this, and we learn that when she packed all those years ago, and it's a key memory she has in this episode, that with the gun, she also packed the bullets. Mm-hmm. And when they buried the dog, she never took the bullets out. So, and that was from the first and episode. And that's a, ca- a great callback. And yeah. so she goes great out callback. and she digs through and she indeed finds the bullets mm-hmm. and now we're off and now she's got the bullets she runs off to that shed and is now hiding and she's frantic and this and now also like she's hearing voices yeah, she's hearing yeah. everything in her, her life like just keeps flooding her mind flooding her mind she's in a panic door opens up she just unloads every bullet and it's pangborn it's alan pangborn he found he found that it. is a gorgeous scene too because it, it could have been something that was just totally overdone but she literally just crawls over to him they don't even exchange dialogue. She just like rests her head, rests her head on, on his chest and like he just kind of blows some air out and like, uh, it's just. But that's right after she even has the, her own personal relief, like because it, it kind of fades away into like a commercial. Yeah. Um, or quote unquote commercial, I guess. Whatever. For, for whatever for, for subscription you sure. have for Hulu. Um, but she like kind of leans back and she closes her eyes as if like she feels like it's done. Yeah. And then that's when you... That's when you... Re- and what I loved about when I watched it again, because at first I was like, I love Pang, but I've loved him since I read those books and saw those movies years ago. And this it, it is my favorite character on the show, mm-hmm. Scott Glenn on this. Yeah, ditto. But I thought that is just brutal. Mm-hmm. But watching it again, I realized that there was some peace with it because right before he goes, he looks at her and realizes that she's safe. Yeah, and then he dies. And she wasn't dead. Because that, that, we also that, know this point hurt her. Yeah, like he lived his entire life for her. Mm-hmm, you know, yeah. so there was some peace that, like, at least he's gonna he dies knowing that she's safe. So uh, it's very and then choked up thing about we uh, cue up uh, Max Richter's "On the Nature of Daylight," oh, a great piece God of music it. featured in the arrival 
Which also no, deals not, with no, time. No, not The Arrival. Not, not Charlie Sheen's The Arrival. Oh, I'm sorry. Arrival. You're right. You're <laughs> right. Arrival, movie. which came out last year, which also deals with um, the idea of time playing with time and time yeah. is not linear and time is like a, 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 a this thing that you can jump to um, your past, your present, and your future, which is very, very much kind of like this. And uh, I thought the music selection was a, a bit on the nose when it happened, when I first watched it, but I, I love the piece of music so much and I love the use of it in this so much. It didn't bother me uh, the second time around. I think that it it, it works here. And, and again, there's a lot of leftover parallels I was making last episode. And I think that Max Richter, you know, scored that. And, He's one of your favorites. And God, you know, if they, I think if they didn't have uh, Newman doing this, I think they probably would have reached out to Max Richter for this as well. Um, uh, but yeah, so this music's playing. She goes upstairs. Now, does to, she forget well, everything something. that's going on? So once again, she, yeah, we see her go upstairs. This is, by the way, straight out of... Carrie, yeah, the scene of Carrie after she kills her mother, oh, she yeah. takes a bath. Hey, yeah, look, right. I'm, all um, I'm saying, yeah. So that's a little bit of a parallel there. It's a little fun, little this dramatic moment in the show. I was like, yeah. oh, that's a, that's a King's Dominion. Um, is so that what you're doing? She, 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 is that you're making that little uh, like, that oh, little voice in your funny. head? Yeah, the most Justin, depressing moments funny. in King. Yeah, exactly. So she's bloody she, and okay. Yeah. So here, here we go. Okay. So then she hears the doorbell ring and she goes downstairs, and it's the moment that. Pangborn has been talking about is, the, is when he comes back into town from New Hampshire after all these years from New Hampshire, and she and he learned uh, from a neighbor that, that that he had heard gunshots the night before, and so when he shows up at the door, and he has this great line where he's like, "I could be dead in the ground and people would still ring me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's all he'll always be the sheriff of Castle Rock, mm-hmm. but that's also kind of like um, what's going on right now. Like yeah. he is dead and he's still showing up as okay. the sheriff. You know, so yeah. he's there and the pleasantries are exchanged. He hasn't seen her in like fourteen years, and then just says. Oh, this is something else I picked up. So right before he gives that incredible like monologue, she looks over her shoulder at something. So keep that in mind. Hold on, don't say anything. Keep that in mind. And then he, but then he says Ruth, and then she looks back at him, and, and he goes, "It's you. That's why I came back." And you know, he says, "I feel I should feel guilty." And that's when she says, "No, don't leave. Please don't leave." And then we discover that what she was looking back at were the chess pieces. So but instead, of, instead of going back to like the present. She wanted to stay there a little yeah. bit longer. Oh my god, I'm getting choked up. Yeah. It's so well structured and done. And then, of course, that music keeps playing through the credits. I mean, just unbelievable. And he also has the callback to like, I'm not, I'm not a sheriff. You know, I'm not the cop. For, I could be the cop. Or he has that callback again to their line of yeah. dialogue from. Yeah. Just <sighs> awesome, yeah. awesome and television. Yeah, and that's I mean, how it wraps up. And it just it reminded me of like a classic Lost episode. Yep. A classic bottle episode. That, that that pan over to the chess piece at the end reminds me of the ending of uh, Inception a little bit. Oh yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, like you know? what is real and what is not, and, yeah. and, and uh, what I just love that because oh, I love the. But think about oh, I'm getting choked up again. The whole episode, she is desperately, constantly looking for the chess pieces. Yeah, but this is the one time she's like, no, I just want to stay here. And that's because she knows she's gonna have to go back to the present in a second. And oh, uh, well, that's kind of awful. the argument that Christopher Nolan has for the ending of Inception. In, is the idea that like it doesn't matter if he's dreaming or awake? Oh, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not joking. I literally read this two days ago. Uh, he is awake. Yeah, I, he is awake. Any scene with Michael Caine is real. Yeah, and so he's awake. I mean, and in the script, it, it says that either, but it says it, it says that it, there's no yeah. anyway, reference to that. But either way, the idea that like either way, it doesn't matter if she is dreaming or she's having this sort of thing. It's like she is with Pangborn, and that's what's so heartbreaking yeah. about it. And yeah, it's. Fucking Christ! Like it's so good. I Scott, was and Scott Glenn once again. again like, Scott Glenn and her—it's just. 
I feel like most in most pop culture today, a scene like that would be between like, you know, 30, 40, maybe 20, 30 something like hotties, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> hunks and vets. Hunks and But honey. these are like seasoned vets. And uh, well, it's it's just it's refreshing once again to see these characters carrying a genre show yeah. for an hour. You know, you don't see that on anything else. No. And, you and, and you're hooked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's so gripping and good. I mean, speaking it, of good, should we move into our shining moments? I can remember when I was a little boy, my grandmother and I could hold conversations entirely without ever opening our mouths. She called it shining. And for a long time, I thought it was just the two of us that had the shine to us. Just like you probably thought you was the only one. But there are other folks, though mostly they don't know it or don't believe it. So my shining moment would be the episode of The Queen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, like, where do we even begin? Well, I was going to say, I was like, I was like, well, we're just going to keep saying good things about this. So why don't we just jump into Shining? I mean, uh, okay, for, I guess specifically uh, the ending. I mean, uh, the ending for me is, yeah. is, it all builds up to that last scene. And it's so emotional. And uh, the music's great. The performances are tremendous. And the, the way everything ties together, it's just, it's a perfect moment. It's a perfect moment on the perfect episode, Mike. For me, it's got to be the scene when they're in bed together. Oh, great. And, you know... I don't have dementia. No. <laughs> I probably will sadly suffer from some sort of uh, dementia anyway, or Alzheimer's that times. runs in my family. But the thing that I do happen to always – one of the things I do do a lot is uh, – God, I'm like getting like – thinking about this. But like any sort of great moments I've had in the past, like wonderful mm-hmm. moments just like – I, I tend to do this thing where I like take these like sort of like weird snapshots mm-hmm. and I'll stare at like certain areas. Like if I had a great talk conversation with someone. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out. And we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. 